Chapter Eleven of the Conquest of Canaan by Booth Parkington. This LibriVox recording is in the public domain. Chapter Eleven When Half Gods Go. There was a silence, for if the dazzled young man could have spoken at all, he could have found nothing to say, and perhaps the lady would not trust her own voice just then. His eyes had fallen again. He was too dazed and in truth too panic-stricken now to look at her though if he had been quite sure that she was part of a wonderful dream he might have dared she was seated beside him and had handed him her parasol in a little way which seemed to imply that of course he had reached for it so that it was to be seen how used she was to have all tiny things done for her though this was not then of his tremulous observing he did perceive however that he was to furl the dainty thing he pressed the catch and let down the top timidly as if fearing to break or tear it and as it closed held near his face he caught a very faint sweet spicy emanation from it like wild roses and cinnamon he did not know her but his timidity and a strange little choke in his throat the sudden fright which had seized upon him were not caused by embarrassment he had no thought that she was one he had known but could not for a moment recall there was nothing of the awkwardness of that no he was overpowered by the miracle of this meeting and yet white with marvelling he felt it to be so much more touchingly a great happiness than he had ever known that at first it was inexpressibly sad at last he heard her voice again shaking a little as she said i'm glad you remembered remembered what he faltered then you don't she cried and yet you came came here do you mean yes now at noon ah he half whispered unable to speak aloud was it you who said who said remember across 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 main street bridge at noon she finished for him gently yes he took a deep breath in the wonder of it where was it you said that he asked slowly was it last night don't you even know that you came to meet me i came to to meet you she gave a little pitying cry very near a sob seeing his utter bewilderment it was like the strangest dream in the world she said you were at the station when i came last night you don't remember at all his eyes downcast his face burning hotly he could only shake his head yes she continued i thought no one would be there for i had not written to say what train i should take but when i stepped down from the platform you were standing there though you didn't see me at first not until i called your name and ran to you you said i've come to meet you and you said it queerly i thought and then you called a carriage for me but you seemed so strange you couldn't tell how you knew that i was coming and and then i i understood you weren't yourself you were very quiet but i knew i knew so i made you get into the carriage and and she faltered to a stop and with that shame itself brought him courage he turned and faced her she had lifted her handkerchief to her eyes 
but at his movement she dropped it and it was not so much the delicate loveliness of her face that he saw then as the tears upon her cheeks ah poor boy she cried i knew i knew you you took me home you told me where you lived she answered yes i took you home i don't understand he stammered huskily i don't understand she leaned toward him slightly looking at him with great intentness you didn't know me last night she said do you know me now for answer he could only stare at her dumbfounded he lifted an unsteady hand toward her appealingly but the manner of the lady as she saw the truth underwent an april change she drew back lightly he was favored with the most delicious low laugh he had ever heard and by some magic whisk which she accomplished there was no sign of tears about her ah i'm glad you're the same joe she said you never would or could pretend very well i'm glad you're the same and i'm glad i've changed though that isn't why you have forgotten me you've forgotten me because you never thought of me perhaps i should not have known you if you had changed a great deal as i have he started leaning back from her ah she laughed that's it that funny little twist of the head you always had like a like a well you know i must have told you a thousand times that it was like a nice friendly puppy so why shouldn't i say so now and your eyebrows when you look like that nobody could ever forget you joe he rose from the log and the mongrel leaped upon him uproariously thinking they were to go home they liked to food the lady laughed again don't let him spoil my parasol and i must warn you now never never tread on my skirt i'm very irritable about such things he had taken three or four uncertain backward steps from her she sat before him radiant with laughter the loveliest creature he had ever seen but between him and this charming vision there swept through the warm scented june air a veil of snow like a driven fog and half obscured in the heart of it a young girl stood knee-deep in a drift piled against an old picket gate her black waterproof and shabby skirt flapping in the blizzard like torn sails one of her hands outstretched toward him her startled eyes fixed on his and oh how like you said the lady how like you and nobody else in the world joe to have a yellow dog ariel tabor his lips formed the words without sound isn't it about time she said are strange ladies in the habit of descending from trains to take you home once upon a white morning long ago the sensational progress of a certain youth up main street had stirred canaan but that day was nothing to this mr bantry had left temporary paralysis in his wake but in the case of the two young people who passed slowly along the street to-day it was petrifaction which seemingly threatened in several instances most notably that of mr arp to become permanent the lower portion of the street lined with three and four-story buildings of brick and stone rather grim and hot facades under the midday sun afforded little shade to the church-comers 
who were working homeward in processional little groups and clumps none walking fast though none with the appearance of great leisure since neither rate of progress would have been esteemed befitting the day the growth of canaan steady though never startling had left almost all of the churches downtown and main street the principal avenue of communication between them and the residence section so to-day the intermittent procession stretched along the new cement sidewalks from a little below the square to upper main street where maples lined the thoroughfare and the mansions of the affluent stood among pleasant lawns and shrubberies it was late for this had been a communion sunday and those far in advance who had already reached the pretty and shady part of the street were members of the churches where services had been shortest though few in the long parade looked as if they had been attending anything very short and many heads of families were crisp in their replies to the theological inquiries of their offspring the men imparted largely a gloom to the itinerant concourse most of them wearing hot long black coats and having wilted their collars the ladies relieving this gloom somewhat by the lighter tints of their garments the spick-and-span little girls relieving it greatly with their white dresses and their faces the latter bright with the hope of sunday ice-cream while the boys experienced some solace in that they were finally out where a person could at least scratch himself if he had to yet oppressed by the decorous necessities of the day marched along vertically planning behind imperturbably secretive countenances various means for the later dispersal of an odious monotony usually the conversation of this long string of the homeward bound was not too frivolous or worldly nay properly inclined to discussion of the sermon that is praise of the sermon with here and there a mild i didn't like his saying or so and its lighter aspects were apt to discern the next social or various pleasurable schemes for the raising of funds to help the heathen the quite worthy poor or the church this was a serious and seemly parade the propriety of whose behavior was to-day almost disintegrated when the lady of the bridge walked up the street in the shadow of a lacy lavender parasol carried by joseph loudon the congregation of the church across the square that to which joe's step-aunt had been late was just debouching almost in mass upon main street when these two went by it is not quite the truth to say that all except the children came to a dead halt but it is not very far from it the air was thick with subdued exclamations and whisperings here is no mystery joe was probably the only person of respectable derivation in canaan who had not known for weeks that ariel tabor was on her way home and the news that she had arrived the night before had been widely disseminated on the way to church entering church in church even so and coming out of church an account of her house in the avenue henri martin and of her portrait in the salon a mysterious business to many and not lacking in grandeur for that had occupied two columns of the tocsin on a day some months before when joe had found himself inimically headlined on the first page and had dropped the paper without reading further 
Ariel's name had been in the mouth of Canaan for a long time. Unfortunately for Joe, however, not in the mouth of that Canaan which held converse with him. Joe had not known her. The women recognized her infallibly at first glance, even those who had quite forgotten her, and the women told their men. Hence the unsunday-like demeanor of the procession, for few towns hold it more unseemly to stand and stare at passers-by, especially on the Sabbath. But Ariel Tabor returned, and walking with, with Joe Loudon. A low but increasing murmur followed the two as they proceeded. It ran up the street ahead of them. People turned to look back and paused, so that they had to walk round one or two groups. They had also to walk round Norbert Flitcroft, which was very like walking around a group. He was one of the few, he was waddling home alone, who did not identify Miss Tabor, and her effect upon him was extraordinary. His mouth opened, and he gazed stodgedly, his widening eyes like sun-dogs coming out of a fog. He did not recognize her escort, did not see him at all until they had passed, after which Mr. Flitcroft experienced a few moments of trance, came out of it stricken through and through, felt nervously of his tie, resolutely fell in behind the healing mongrel, and followed at a distance of some forty paces determined to learn what household this heavenly visitor honored and thrilling with the intention to please that same household with his own presence as soon and as often as possible ariel flushed a little when she perceived the extent of their conspicuousness but it was not the blush that joe remembered had reddened the tanned skin of old for her brownness had gone long ago, though it had not left her merely pink and white. This was a delicate rosiness rising from her cheeks to her temples, as the earliest dawn rises. If there had been many words left in Joe, he would have called it a divine blush. It fascinated him, and if anything could have deepened the glamour about her, it would have been this blush. He did not understand it, but when he saw it, he stumbled those who gaped and stared were for him only blurs in the background truly he saw men as trees walking and when it became necessary to step out to the curb in passing some clump of people it was to him as if ariel and he enchantedly alone were working their way through underbrush and the woods he kept trying to realize that this lady of wonder was ariel tabor but he could not he could not connect the shabby ariel whom he had treated as one boy treats another with this young woman of the world he had always been embarrassed himself and ashamed of her when anything she did made him remember that after all she was a girl as on the day he ran away when she kissed a lock of his hair escaping from the bandage with that recollection even his ears grew red it did not seem probable that it would ever happen again the next instant he heard himself calling her miss tabor at this she seemed amused you ought to have called me that years ago she said 
for all you knew me i did know her you i mean he answered i used to know nearly everything you were going to say before you said it it seems strange now yes she interrupted it does seem strange now somehow he went on i doubt if now i'd know somehow she echoed with fine gravity i doubt it too although he had so dim a perception of the staring and whispering which greeted and followed them ariel of course was thoroughly aware of it though the only sign she gave was the slight blush which very soon disappeared that people turned to look at her may have been not altogether a novelty a girl who had learned to appear unconscious of the continental stare the following gaze of the boulevards the frank glasses of the constanza in rome was not ill-equipped to face main street canaan even as it was to-day under the sycamores before they started they had not talked a great deal there had been long silences almost all her questions concerning the period of his runaway absence she appeared to know and to understand everything which had happened since his return to the town he had not in his turn reached the point where he would begin to question her he was too breathless in his consciousness of the marvellous present hour she had told him of the death of roger tabor the year before poor man she said gently he lived to see how the other fellows did it at last and everybody liked him he was very happy over there after a little while she had said that it was growing close upon lunch-time she must be going back then then good-bye he replied ruefully why i'm afraid you don't understand it wouldn't do for you to be seen with me perhaps though you do understand wasn't that why you asked me to meet you out here beyond the bridge in answer she looked at him full and straight for three seconds then threw back her head and closed her eyes tight with laughter without a word she took the parasol from him opened it herself placed the smooth white coral handle of it in his hand and lightly took his arm there was no further demur on the part of the young man he did not know where she was going he did not ask soon after norbert turned to follow them they came to the shady part of the street where the town in summer was like a grove detachments from the procession had already here and there turned in at the various gates nobody however appeared to have gone indoors except for fans armed with which immediately to return to rockers upon the shaded verandas as miss tabor and joe went by the rocking-chairs stopped the fans poised motionless and perspiring old gentlemen wiping their necks paused in arrested attitudes once ariel smiled politely not at mr loudon and inclined her head twice with the result that the latter after thinking for a time of how gracefully she did it and how pretty the top of her hat was became gradually conscious of a meaning in her action that she had bowed to someone across the street he lifted his hat about four minutes late and discovered mamie pike and eugene upon the opposite pavement walking home from church together joe changed color there just over the way was she who had been in his first youth 
the fairy child the little princes playing in the palace yard and always afterward his lady of dreams his fair unreachable moon and joe seeing her to-day changed color that was all he had passed mamie in the street only a week before and she had seemed all that she had always seemed to-day an incomprehensible and subtle change had befallen her a change so mystifying to him that for a moment he almost doubted that she was mamie pike it came to him with a breathtaking shock that her face lacked a certain vivacity of meaning that its sweetness was perhaps too placid that there would have been a deeper goodness in it had there been any hint of daring astonishing questions assailed him startled him could it be true that after all there might be some day too much of her was her amber hair a little too fluffy was something the matter with her dress everything she wore had always seemed so beautiful where had the exquisitiveness of it gone for there was surely no exquisitiveness about it now it was incredible that anyone could so greatly alter in the few days elapsed since he had seen her strange matters mamie had never looked prettier at the sound of ariel's voice he emerged from the profundities of his psychic enigma with a leap she is lovelier than ever isn't she yes indeed he answered blankly would you still risk she began smiling but apparently thinking better of it changed her question what is the name of your dog mr loudon you haven't told me oh he's just a yellow dog he evaded unskilfully young man she said sharply well he admitted reluctantly i call him speck for short and what for long i want to know his real name it's mighty inappropriate because we're fond of each other said joe but when i picked him up he was so yellow and so thin and so creeping and so scared that i christened him respectability she broke into light laughter stopped short in the midst of it and became grave ah you've grown bitter she said gently no no he protested i told you i liked him she did not answer they were now opposite the pike mansion and to his surprise she turned indicating the way by a touch upon his sleeve and crossed the street toward the gate which mamie and eugene had entered mamie after exchanging a word with eugene upon the steps was already hurrying into the house ariel paused at the gate as if waiting for joe to open it he cocked his head his higher eyebrow rose and the distorted smile appeared i don't believe we'd better stop here he said the last time i tried it i was expunged from the face of the universe don't you know she cried i'm staying here judge pike has charge of all my property he was the administrator or something then seeing him chop-fallen and aghast she went on of course you don't know you don't know anything about me you haven't even asked you're going to live here he gasped will you come to see me she laughed will you come this afternoon he grew white you know i can't he said you came here once you risked a good deal then just to see mamie dance by the window 
Don't you dare a little for an old friend? All right, he gulped. I'll try. Mr. Bantry had come down to the gate and was holding it open, his eyes fixed upon Ariel, within them a rising glow. An impression came to Joe afterward that his stepbrother had looked very handsome. Possibly you remember me, Miss Tabor? said Eugene in a deep and impressive voice, lifting his hat. We were neighbors, I believe, in the old days. She gave him her hand in a fashion somewhat mannerly, favoring him with a bright, negligent smile. Oh, quite, she answered, turning again to Joe as she entered the gate. Then I shall expect you. I'll try, said Joe. I'll try. He stumbled away respectability and he together interfering alarmingly with the comfort of mr flitcroft who had stopped in the middle of the pavement to stare glassily at ariel eugene accompanied the latter into the house and joe looking back understood mamie had sent his stepbrother to bring ariel in and to keep him from following this afternoon the thought took away his breath and he became paler the pike brougham rolled by him and sam warden from the box favored his old friend upon the pavement with a liberal display of the whites of his eyes the judge evidently had been detained after services without doubt a meeting of the church officials mrs pike blinking and frightened sat at her husband's side agreeing feebly with the bull bass which rumbled out of the open window of the brougham i want orthodox preaching in my church and by god madam i'll have it that fellow has got to go joe took off his hat and wiped his brow End of chapter eleven